Hello and good moment to everybody. Hope you're uh, doing all right, feeling all right, being all right, in as much as you were able to in this moment. And that's what uh, this moment is about, and that's what Steve's here for is to talk about identifying the two levels on which we live in consciousness, self-consciousness, and self-consciousness's little friend, the ego, directing that self-consciousness and affecting our life experience. And part of that life experience, it seems with humans, involves war. Now war. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Well, that's how a song goes. And I'm going to talk about that. Is war absolutely good for nothing? What is the purpose of war? What the heck is war? Why? Individually, collectively, the human species. Warring. Are we innately hardwired to fight? Are we a violent species? You know, I do hear these things put forth very often, and usually it's by people who are warring in their life at the moment. People who are in military, people who are in combat sports, people who are, you know, engaged in battling sports in general. You know, they, they feel they feel the, the ferocity of competition and uh, the idea to win over another. And uh, because they're able to express that, that they feel that it's then innate to the species all the time. Which I am here to dispel once I explain the difference between war and struggle. Because this gets to be the topic of the day for me, which is always the two levels on which humans exist. You know, there's the consciousness, the consciousness running in, through, around us, which is life, which our senses can perceive and identify as the reality of the world around us, including us in it. That's a very tangible, real thing. It doesn't need thought. It doesn't need an explanation. It doesn't need validation. Right in this moment, it is. Everything that is being is being. Now, how did some of these things get to being? through self-consciousness, through ego, which is the other layer. As humans, of course, we have an elevated self-conscious mind. It's capable of making information out of the world around us, meaning we can identify things and then we can name them, we can label them, we can dissect them, we can then label those parts, we can recombine them. We are pattern recognition machines. We are information storing databases, pretty much unlike any other species on the planet, and it gives us a unique capability. We can imagine, we can dream, we can project into the future, and we can also get disconnected from the feeling of being, which is the downfall of identifying with mind, of being a thinking being. The more we think, the less we feel innately, instead getting a lot of our feelings from our thinking. And this is maybe a little bit where war comes in, because war, as opposed to struggle, is the same challenge as the individual has within the human mind to know the self, independent of the thinking mind. Now let's just take a look at the organism that is a human being. Just like every other organism on the planet, we have the right, the natural right, to be here. Once in form, we have the right to survive. And of course, we have the right to keep surviving. Those are the prime imperatives of a life in form, to keep surviving. And we probably all know the feeling of being at risk, being in peril, uh, having something happen, which gives us that 
existential threat of not surviving something. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's being in war in a place in the world where I am fortunate not to be. But some people do imminently feel their mortality every day. And there's an actual life and death struggle to remain alive. And that is natural to human beings to have that innate struggle. In fact, it's natural to all life forms. Again, to just do what is needed to survive. Now, when it's difficult, that's a struggle. When it's not, that's just living life experience. And that's the good stuff. Those are the good times. And if we can arrange it as such by having security of food, of water, of shelter, and of not being attacked by other species, other life, other weather, whatever the case may be, then we can relax into not having to use our mind to figure anything out or to use our instincts to fight back or to be aggressive about searching for what we need to continue surviving. And the innate struggle for life is universal. It's allowed between any two life forms. It's a valid proposition that in the moment, if there's access to resources, if there's access to shelter that needs to be contested, then game on. That's what life is actually all about, is remaining in form. And then hopefully getting to that relaxed state of having nothing, resisting your life in form today so that you can actually enjoy it. And then there's play there's procreation again the next step keeping the life in form within the species which is a biological imperative of every life form to reproduce and yet within the human species we have this elevated self-conscious mind which has done what well as i've described in previous episodes it has allowed us to make things out of the natural world around us to a sophisticated degree. In other words, we don't just gather twigs and make a nest. We don't just run into a cave and call that a home. We actually deconstruct nature, turn it into pieces. We, we reduce it. Our mind is a very reductionist mechanism because it's so capable of storing information and recombining it. We can think in that capacity to see beyond what the thing is to a purpose the thing could be used for in recombination. And the long and short of it is that Ever since we began to have that capacity, we have started expanding our reach in the world. It's allowed us to live practically anywhere in the world, get from anywhere in the world to anywhere else in the world, grow food where we want it, build our homes where we want them. And on the one hand, this looks like its own little utopia or paradise that we're able to do all these things. But of course, these things always come with a price, a sacrifice. Sometimes we put ourselves at risk of peril and not being able to survive the moment. You know, if we build a house somewhere extremely cold and we're reliant on heat, whether that's fire or some kind of electricity generated heat, and that heat goes out, we may die in a matter of days. If our food runs out, we can die in a matter of days. If our water is polluted and we drink it, we get sick, we could die in a matter of days. Now, we've come to balance that out with things that we also do well, which is improved hygiene, access to food, access to clean food, again, but with a price to pay because our food isn't as nutritious as it used to be, and it's led to a plethora of diseases for humans on the planet, which is a direct result of us being everywhere on the planet all at once. So, what does that have to do with war? Well... In the mind of the human being, 
which is constantly engaged, there are potential problems everywhere because that's what the mind thrives on. It thrives on problems. And the natural world to the mind is itself a problem to overcome. You know, to, to know what's going to happen in the future, to be able to predict the weather, to be able to build homes that withstand earthquakes, floods, whatever the case may be, even though in the end we aren't doing that all that well all the time, our mind looks to nature to be something to be battled. It's a bit of a war with nature that we've created because it isn't innately there. It's not the innate struggle for survival. We've become proactive about engaging our mind to look for problems. And on that, on that front, we look for battles. And part of the reason that we do that is because one of the innate factors about being alive, being in form, is movement, is to be active, is to be engaged, is to experience. And in our effort to, or in our journey, sorry, to use our mind in such a capacity that we've stopped having to physically move to earn our daily bread, to uh, build our own home, to do things for ourselves and our community, We've been so ensconced in mind that our physical being hasn't had to that we look for outlets. We look for outlets to do that, to, to uh, engage our body. So our mind initiates that and our body follows through. Now further to that, because our mind has gotten the capacity of, in, of knowing the world as information and our mind is a comparative thing, in other words, to the mind, there's never enough. We can always know more. You can always have more. You know, if you can have 10 things, having 11 is better. The mind doesn't know whether or not that actually is better. It's just a number, just a game. We can contemplate on the information in our mind, but the mind itself, and especially the ego component of the mind, which is that little portion of our self-conscious mind that has inventoried you as a piece of information to relate to the information, in the, under the guise of taking care of you in the world with regards to the world as information. This is vital to understand. I've talked about it before, and this is one of the most vital components of things that I'm saying about the human species, is knowing that our self-conscious mind is regulated by our ego if we aren't watching ourselves, our ego, and the self-conscious mind do its thing. Because the ego will always ask, What's in it for me? Me being you. And again, more is better. All we need for evidence of that is to look at people in corporations, look at businesses, look at leaders, and look at nations. Look at ancient Rome. Look at Alexander the Great. With the ego to say, world leader, I'm going to own the world. I'm going to have the world. The world will be under my control. Well, one person can't do that. But in their mind, a person can do that if they believe that they've conquered other people, other territories, other nations, when that conquering is really a very physical thing. You haven't conquered people's spirits. You haven't gained their sense of freedom or taken it completely from them because on one level, we can always know our freedom independent of our situation. Always. Our physical freedom, our tangible freedom, and our access to food and resources, 
that's a whole different game. And that's what the mind has been at for millennia. Leaders in the world innately know this. They know that when it comes right down to it, going to war is about a made-up struggle for access to resources, access to wealth, access to land, to grow food, to live on, just to have. Because the ego just wants to have things as an idea, and then in its mind, it's winning. And because the world's a big place, there's a lot to war against. There's a lot of things to claim. And this is the end goal of the ego right now, if you can see playing out on the world stage, is to think of the world as a one world order and to be the boss. The ego literally wants to be the boss of the world in idea form. But of course, the idea has to relate to reality, which is the physical, the tangible form, which is you and me and other people, communities, nations, living. So long as we're alive, we need food, we need resources, we need shelter, we need the basics. In the end, that's actually all the average person needs is the basics. And then the rest of the time, lived and spent should be enjoyment, enjoyment, experience. That's it. It shouldn't be a constant struggle for the basics. But we've gone way beyond that, and the thinking mind doesn't know that that's where it's at, that that's where the good stuff in life is at, and that's where the good feeling of struggle and personal responsibility for attaining these things for yourself, your family, your community, is a good feeling. And it's okay to not know that you don't have all your food stored away. You don't have enough money in the bank for years worth of you know food and rent. It's okay for that not to be true. In fact, sometimes that takes away from the feeling of struggle. And I'll give you a little anecdote about my life history. Because when I was young, I th I've thought about everything I'm talking about right now on some level most of my life from the time I was very young, very young. So I've been watching the world and, and looking at it and looking at, you know, my parents' life and struggles, society's life and struggles. I've seen wars, of course, come and go over the last 45, 50 years. As it relates to money, to power, to control, as opposed to actually taking care of the basic needs of people to make sure that humans are healthy, happy, secure, and safe. And I've realized it's rarely about that. Now, again, back to my little, my little journey, within that journey, looking at, you know, how we're kind of dominated in this world by people at the top making decisions for us and controlling it through systems. Those systems are power and control under the guise of uh, governance and um, systems like democracy, communism, um, and all the socialism, all the systems in between, and money. Money being what I will describe in a future episode as the primal tangible expression of ego in the world through which ego makes itself uh, appear to be real to be valid to be worthy to be necessary and as i grew up i had a, a love-hate relationship with money you know i watched my family i watched my dad struggle to make money and whenever we got things on christmas i was blown away that we had the money to have it and i was grateful then i got a paper route and i started cutting lawns i earned my own money and I had an innate sense that that was just a good thing, no matter what. Just earn money and buy what you want. 
but for some reason I always just spent my money as I went along, starting as a teenager, and that hasn't changed to this day. <laughs> this will scare a lot of people, but I've lived month to month generally my entire adult life. Now, up until the age of 40, that did scare me because I thought about it, because I was worried in my head that I didn't have enough, that I wasn't planning for the future, that I was going to be without, that I wasn't being success successful in the eyes of society, in the eyes of my family in comparison to my brother and sister, sister who are completely successful on that level in this world. And, you know, I have mad respect for the fact that they are. They live within the system and use it very, very well. I always questioned the system and so used it begrudgingly and used it as much as I needed to and yet sought freedom from the system, that freedom that I talked about that anyone can have anywhere, anytime. And so after the age of 40, I reconciled. I had one of a few epiphanies prior to 2014 when I had the big epiphany, which was throwing my arms up in the air and just going, I'm done. I'm done letting the idea of money rule me and dominate how I feel about myself because it was a lot of the time it was and that's when I realized huh so I can let go of the idea of money and yet still obviously use money because I live in society I'm a very practical and pragmatic person and I don't begrudge money on that level I know deep down that if humanity transcended its ego that money would actually be unnecessary because the value that things would have would be their innate value you me water food a tree houses minerals whatever that we build it would have an innate value and that would be its usefulness which is true in nature nothing is wasted for the most part nothing is invaluable because everything's invaluable to survival which is really where it's at but our ego doesn't know that it believes it is invaluable and its job is to collect information and to think and to think up new things. Progress is really just our mind keeping busy. And to get back to the theme of the talk, war is really on the level that it's waged these days completely an egotistical proposition because there's always an ulterior motive. And that ulterior motive, whether it's personal or the collective unconscious or subconscious ego, same thing, subconscious ego is unconscious when it's just being used without... Um, being known because it's been made a habit but um, it's become on autopilot whether individually or collectively as I was saying and so war battles are not about the important things anymore the important thing which is experiencing life enjoying life being healthy as a human being eating a basic human diet our ego has thought us away from so many things about what it is to be a balanced human in this world and so now we have wars again where there's just ulterior motive it's people saying they're going to war for one thing and it's usually democracy peace to help someone to help a cause to help one country as compared to another when really honestly as is the case in this current conflict in the world russia and the ukraine it's really just both sides are losing because they're losing their humanity. And it's hard to even know the truth of the depth of what is being warred over because I could give you reasons why Russia's the bad guy and then I could give you reasons why Ukraine isn't actually 
so democratic and diplomatic in the world the way it's being purported to be because the ego wants there to be conflict all the time. It doesn't even have to be physical conflict. Look at the Cold War. Just the idea of it keeps the ego, keeps our mind busy. And that's the ego's job. Now, for those of you that haven't listened to a previous episode, I'll describe it briefly. Now, when our self-conscious mind arose and became ensconced in thinking, you know, it's, it's like a muscle that starts being used and it wants to be used. When you start running, after a while, every day your body wants you to run, independent of you. Those muscles are itching to go. Now, our self-conscious mind clicked on and our ego became a part of that self-conscious mind instantaneously, its job being, again, to take into consideration you in relation to the information and the ideas so that you always were looked after. Your ego kind of has your back, but without it, you're still able to ascertain what you need from the information in your mind. But through this ego, we become disconnected because when we're thinking so much about what's in it for me, what is the idea of what I'm doing, why am I doing this, and we make up ideas even about why we're doing things, then we're disconnected from the innate things that a life form is all about, which is survival, and then thriving, and then reproducing, experiencing and enjoying. That's really what it is all about. Our mind doesn't know that. Our mind has gone beyond the capacity because our mind is not a feeling part of our body. It, it stores access to feelings in portions of our brain. You know, our mind can have a thought and then we feel a certain way about it. You have a, a, a thought about someone you love, you feel good. You have a thought about a challenge in your life, um, something that's stressful, you feel bad. You feel about those things for too long and let them linger in your mind, you feel anxious. You do it for even longer, you're depressed. And our mind, of course, can eventually wage war on ourselves. You know, and I went through that in 2014. The question of, well, am I even valid enough to be here? You know, we're the only species that can think our way into warring so much with ourselves that we can commit suicide. And it's really just over an idea. 99.9% of the time. So, I'm not going to go into specifics about situations happening in the world right now. I just want to get you used to knowing what you are as a species so that you can see that the systems and structures of the world, you know, the leaders of the world who have grown out of the systems and structures built from ego, the idea that more is better, right versus wrong, this system is better than that system, while there may be merit to these ideas, it may be valid on some level, We've disconnected from feeling to such a capacity that we won't even have a discussion before we get all up in arms and we take sides and we think there is a distinct absolute side every time in these things called wars and battles when there really, really isn't. We kind of all lose in war because we lose our humanity. And because we live in a world that's so big, busy, full of people, full of information, overabundant in resources. You know, we have more than enough food than we'll ever need. We have water. The question has never been, is there enough? The question has been, you know, is it financially 
profitable to get it from point A to point B. Again, and this is fully and completely the ego at work, not caring about the species, but caring about the idea of more. And so we have wars in the world right now where our humanity is really at stake and the real losers are the people that suffer, which is the common man, which is the vast majority of the population, people who just want to get up in the morning, live their lives. Even within the systems that are, it's very possible to live an, a fantastic life without the system itself wanting more on our behalf. Because the average person wouldn't get up and want to go to war with someone. It could happen because if we're in our mind, we can easily engage in too much thinking and then get into ideas of right or wrong, mine and yours. Instead of learning cooperation and sharing and compassion and realizing we probably, a lot of us in the world, have more than enough already, a little less would actually do a lot of us a lot of good. Starting with less thinking, less ideas, less concepts, less philosophy of life and more tangible reality living of life. Now, I want you to understand that that's a very practical and pragmatic thing that I say because I know the feeling of just being and not wanting or needing anything more, not having what I need a month or two down the road, and that being perfectly fine. And yet the system has the capacity to control that. And I'm certainly no different. I could lose access to some of the resources I need to live through no fault of my own in this lifetime, even though I'm a very good person. I don't go out of my way to hurt anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I wouldn't. Would I defend myself if I had to? Absolutely. If it was an actual life and death struggle? Yeah. That's fair. That's valid. Haven't had to in this lifetime, and Lord knows I hope I don't have to. But uh, I don't think we would even have to think about that, and that's the whole point. The reason why we all fight back and struggle for survival when it comes down to it is because it's not even something we have to think about. It's not a choice. And again, that's a struggle. It's a valid struggle. It's a valiant struggle. And it's a struggle that feels good to do well in and to come out on the other side. War, on the other hand, is now waged in the mind, for the mind initially, and in the end as well. Because all the people that have the idea to go to war aren't even on the front lines fighting a war. They're so dissociated and disconnected from it because it's just an idea. Leaders say, this is my country. I'm the leader of this. I'm the leader of the free world, as if there can be such a thing. It's such an egotistical proposition. It's almost completely egotistical. And that's, uh, unfortunately, where we are as a species. And yet, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? Well, I see an uprising of people in the world who are returning to feeling, returning to love, returning to compassion, but tempering that with, you know, personal responsibility and taking the steps needed to make sure that they don't support the system. Not because the system doesn't have value. It does. But when the system is there taking care of the system for the system's own good and the people within it are completely a slave to it, like a lot of our leaders... They're so on autopilot through ego-directed thought and action that they it's become an entitlement, a subconscious ego entitlement to be in the place where they are and still and still want more and innately 
reject the humanity involved because that's what the ego does. The ego, because it doesn't feel, does not know your humanity. It can't know it. It can have a pretty good idea about it, enough to make it an idea and compartmentalize it so that it can speak to it and it can speak about it. Like when leaders always say, you know, we have your best interest at heart. We do this for all Canadians, as our Prime Minister says often. As if one person can know what all Canadians want and need without including their humanity. Because the, the humanity of a person is where it starts and ends. And yet this, these words don't include your humanity. Which is why these people actually shouldn't be leaders. But here's the thing. If you are very much in your mind and perhaps in contemplating yourself realize that your subconscious ego which in most people is very slight it, but it's just there it's just there and if you need to be right in conversation if you need to be right versus wrong about anything then it's it's active and it's something to contemplate because the systems that are out in the world are really only there and supported because we have that system within each of us those systems were born out of the individual ego they're just amplified because they are basically an expression the, of the big part of the ego that we don't internalize. It gets put there, and then the system itself becomes the individual ego projected collectively. And of course, the collective has more power. You see? And that's where we're at as a species. So what can we do about it? As I was saying a second ago, we can be more in ourselves, in our feeling, than in our own subconscious ego. It may seem like a little thing, but believe me, it's a very hard thing to contemplate yourself and to realize there's ways in which you may be selfish, greedy, needy, dependent on systems. And when we are in that space, we can be talked to from the collective ego of leaders, of leadership, of authority. And we'll listen. We'll listen because it seems to make sense. But that's the ego talking to itself. And to the ego, everything makes sense. The ego doesn't even know right from wrong, honestly. It just knows what's next, what's next, what's next. Whereas for us, shutting that off and knowing here and now as the eternal what's next is actually where it's at because that's where feeling a good life and life experiences. The more of us that know that, the less the system is needed. And it's not about fighting the system. It's not about us taking down the system. The system built itself up naturally out of the individual apathy and the misunderstanding and the non-understanding of what we are as a species, which is why that's probably the most important thing I'm ever going to talk to humanity about. And so what's been done can be undone. Systems need to be bottom up. They need to be inside out to be healthy. Again, look at your body. Trillions of cells. Certain cells in your body have no clue what the one near it is doing. But each one's doing its job, being as healthy and productive as it can, so that the whole of you works. The reason our government systems, our structural systems, our religious systems don't work is because there's someone at the top using an idea and trying to apply that idea to all the parts universally as if it's the right thing. When on a basic level, all the parts just want to live, survive, be what they are. For us, it's be who we are. 
and contribute to the system naturally without having to go out of our way to ask what the system wants. The system wants us to be ourselves. The system of humanity and the system of life on earth. It's that simple. Which is why the mind will never understand it. Our, our self-conscious mind is not a simple thing. It's glorious in its complexity, but the ego adds a tinge of disconnect and of selfishness, which puts blinders on the consequences of a lot of its thinking. And the collateral damage of those consequences is almost always needless suffering. And again, the ego doesn't really care because it doesn't feel it itself. That's it. The ego goes to war and people are killed and it's a number on a spreadsheet. Whereas the average person doesn't even want to hurt another person one-on-one. -on -one. It takes a lot for a human to, to, to do that, to look another life in the eye and, and go to battle with it. So I'll leave that there. That's a bit to contemplate. And the main thing to contemplate again, the individual versus the collective, struggle, which is real, versus war, which may have had its merits at times in the past, you know, based on a truly heinous dictator, totalitarian leader that needed to be um, removed for the sake of the people there. But more and more, we're seeing a busy world where those situations aren't there anymore. Most wars are created in the idea of thinking so that very few people can benefit. And that benefit is really just adding more digital numbers to a bank account. And the idea that I'm in charge to the ego and that I'm special because I'm a leader when it's just not true. Our leaders are probably some of the least capable people of actually leading humanity into the next paradigm. It's you and me and our friends, our family, our community who are going to do that. What it's going to look like, I don't know. In my lifetime, I don't know. But if the last two years have shown me anything, it's that humanity can be led places very quickly. And we've been led the last two years for not very good reasons. Whereas if we go deeper, we'll have the, the actual real good reasons to lead ourselves into the future and actually take care of one another instead of the idea of taking care of one another. So I'll leave it with that. Be good to yourself, find your own peace, and uh, pass it on. It feels good. Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, ever since I got this thing started, which was years in the making, I've been excited about uh, doing this, and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves, and it's actually what I know the best, despite all the other things I've studied for and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life, this is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience, or if you'd like to support a very simple human doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive, and anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, there's a donating information there. I also have an account with something called Libra Pay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send uh, a donation through PayPal, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. 
If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, steve at luminatingthedisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support.